0: Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, just verses 2 through 6, short little passage tonight, a simple one, shouldn't be too long. We are about to finish up Colossians, we're getting close, probably one more week and we will be at the end. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. What we have seen to this point in Colossians, in the first chapter or two, really in chapter two, we see what I think is kind of the, the heart of, of, of what Paul is saying and maybe one of the best chapters in all of the New Testament. I, you, you may could argue that about Colossians too, because Paul is saying everything centers around Jesus. It's all about jesus and he makes that point very strongly in colossians 2 and then in colossians 3 we begin to see what that means for us if jesus is at the center of our life then that means that we are to take off all the old sinful things we used to do and we are to live like jesus and exhibit those qualities that jesus exhibited and have compassion and gentleness and patience and all of those things. That's a whole list that, that Paul gives us and tells us that we are to love one another because it's the perfect bond of unity and that we are to forgive one another. And so Paul gives us some beautiful words there in chapter 3. And then last week we looked at uh, some instruction for this is if, if you're in Christ, that Christ is at the center of your life, then this is how your relationships with Christ those around you, what they need to look like, what your relationship with your husband needs to look like and your relationship with your wife and your children and your parents. And uh, we talked about that last week. And uh, we are kind of drawing to a close here tonight in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Let's pray, and then we'll jump in. Father God, we come to you, and we thank you for this good book. We thank you for the words of Paul, and I pray that we would grow in them, and God, I pray that Jesus would be at the center of our life. That we know that everything is through Jesus and and from Jesus and for Jesus and for our good, dear Lord. And so we give you the glory that Jesus died on the cross, and we just we just come to you tonight, and hopefully, God, He is at the center of our lives and at the center of our church, and all we do. And I pray, God, that we would we would follow your commands, follow what Jesus did, follow his example, to live like he lived and the best we can, dear Lord. And When we fail, God, we just pray that you forgive us and that you help us to grow in you as we we look at your word and we seek to draw closer to you. Help us to do that, dear Lord, uh, so that we can be more like Jesus every day. And I ask these things in Jesus' name, Amen. 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 Colossians chapter four, verse two. Devote yourselves to prayer, Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. Now, this is a a good instruction for us to remember, and this one's really simple. There, there, There doesn't have to be a whole lot of explanation here. Paul had already given us a list of things. This is how you need to live. This is what your relationships need to look like. And at the close of the letter here, he's, he's given some final instructions, but they're important instructions. Uh, you, you know how that is. That when you're leaving, uh, maybe you're going to be gone for a while and you, you, you want to check on those you were leaving or you want to leave them with some final instructions. Maybe you have someone at home who's sick, and before you go, you make sure to tell them, okay, now I've got you some water right here, and some medicine right here, and your food's laid out in the refrigerator, and the phone's right here, and you call me if you need me, and here's what you need to do if this happens, and we give those final instructions, or or, or say the things that we feel like we need to say right there before we leave, the things that uh, maybe we say at the end, and Paul is coming to the end of this letter that he is writing to the Colossians. And he's, he's not wanting to leave out important things. And he says right here at the end, devote yourselves to prayer. And that's important for us to do as Christians, to make sure that we have a good prayer life. Uh, we also see in the scriptures that it says, pray without ceasing, an idea of praying continually. Now, Obviously, we can't pray 24-7. We, we do have to go about our life, but even in going about our daily life, we can still have a heart of prayer. We can still be speaking to God and seeking God. And when we think about people maybe who come to our mind, say a prayer for them, maybe there's a need, or, or, or maybe there are other ways we just talk to the Lord or seek the Lord or ask the Lord for help. And probably for most Christians, uh, we we may find ourselves kind of talking to God all throughout the day, uh, and so we want to devote ourselves to prayer in that way to know that God is always listening and we can always talk to Him. Now we may have times that we set aside for prayer, and there's certainly nothing wrong with that. We may pray to God in the morning at a certain time or pray to God at night at a certain time. Uh, And and having set prayer times where we come together and pray, uh, either individually or as a group, like we do on Wednesday nights, those are good. There's nothing wrong with set prayer times, but we need to remember to devote ourselves to prayer. And we can pray always to God and God always hears. And we need to stay alert in our prayer with thanksgiving. And so there's that idea of being thankful that we saw uh, back in uh, chapter uh, three when Paul talked about that, when he was telling us a list of things that we needed to be and do. And one of those things that we needed to do was be thankful. And we see that same idea here as we are praying to God with our requests and our needs and our, and our troubles. God wants to hear those, but we also need to praise God in our prayer and we need to be thankful to God in our prayer. And we need to be alert Uh, We must be alert every day of our life because the enemy never stops. He is an enemy that is relentless. And thankfully, by the power of Jesus Christ, we can overcome our enemy. Uh, But it 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 is something that we must depend on the Lord for. And we probably have all experienced this in some way. There's there's some sin that tempts you that maybe sometimes you give in to it. But man, doesn't it feel good when you know I shouldn't do this? I shouldn't act this way. I shouldn't say this thing. I shouldn't do this thing. God, help me not to do this thing that, I, that I'm tempted to do. And maybe sometimes you give in, but other times you really see God and he helps you to overcome that sin. And man, that feels good. But we have to be alert because we know that that temptation is going to come. Boy, the devil is always going to be after us and so we have to continue to seek the Lord in prayer. We have to be devoted in prayer and we have to be alert knowing that those kind of sinful temptations will come and be Thanksgiving, uh, be thankful to God as we pray. In verse three, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the message to speak the mystery of the Messiah for which I am in prison. Now, Paul says, look, pray to the Lord about what's going on in your life, but when you pray to the Lord, don't forget to pray for us. Now, Paul here is a man of God, and there are other men of God who are, who are in the ministry alongside Paul, and man, Paul's always sending folks back and forth saying, this one's going to come see you, or I heard this news about you from this one, and this thing's going on here, and so there was a good network of, of ministers and missionaries that Paul was associated with, and Paul said, hey, when you're praying, don't forget to pray for us also. And he says, to pray for what? Pray that God may open the door for us to be able to preach the message. What's the message? The mystery of the Messiah. So Paul is saying, look, when you pray, pray that God would open doors for us. We use that same language today, right? We, we pray that way. We, we speak that way. We say, man, God opened a door for me, or I hope God will open a door for me. And that's what we want in our lives is for God to open doors for us and that needs to be our prayer for those that we know who are in ministry or those who are missionaries that God, one, would be with them and two, would open the doors for them so that they can speak the mystery of the Messiah. What is this mystery of the Messiah? Well, we see this language on several occasions throughout the New Testament. Uh, It's not really a mystery anymore, though. It's a mystery that was, in a sense. It's a mystery that was all these things we see in the Old Testament were pointing forward to Jesus. We saw that language in Colossians 2, if you remember, that the things that we saw were a shadow of what was to come, but Jesus was the reality or Jesus was the substance of those things. And so for hundreds of years, it was a mystery. How was God going to fulfill his promises in the Old Testament? How was God going to uphold his covenants? How was God going to fulfill what he promised to Abraham and through David? How was God going to fulfill those things, the, the, the Messiah that Isaiah prophesied about? How was all those things going to come to be? How was God going to take care of his people? How was God going to deliver his people? Well, God spoke about such a deliverance and such a deliverer, but it was a mystery. How how was God going to save Israel and also bless the other nations? How was that going to work? Well, the mystery was finally solved in Jesus Christ. Now, even when the mystery was clearly solved in Jesus, and Jesus clearly spelled out the answers to those questions and those mysteries that people had, sadly, many of God's people, Israel, still rejected Jesus. It's still a mystery to them, but for those of us who read Scripture and see that Jesus is the fulfillment of everything that was prophesied about, everything is done through Jesus, as Paul has already told us in Colossians chapter 2, the mystery is solved for us. And so Paul is going and he's bringing this mysterious message to people who may not yet know it. They may have heard about some of these prophecies, they may have heard about Jesus, but they didn't understand. And so Paul says, look, pray for us so that we can get out there and doors will be open that we can bring forth this mystery of Jesus so it won't be a mystery anymore. So that they can know the truth and the truth will set them free. Verse 4, so that I may reveal it as I am required to speak. Now, Paul there is, is asking kind of uh, is for a specific prayer for him. Help me to be able to, to preach the message that I need to be able to preach. Help me to be able to have the words to say. Help me to be able to, to preach for the Lord, to tell people what the Lord needs to hear. And Paul says, pray for me that I will be uh, successful in doing that. And that's a good thing for, for us to remember, that we pray for those that we know, who are in ministry, those that we know who preach, those that we know who teach, those that we know who are missionaries, that they would do a good job because any good good, good man of God that is trying to bring the Word of God wants to do a good job with it. And that may not always be the case. There are sometimes some sermons that don't quite come across the way they should. And so pray for people who present the Word of God, who try to get the message out there that God would be with them and help them to be able to understand and to be able to preach and teach these things in a way that will expand the kingdom of God and point people to Jesus Christ. And he says in verse 5, "...act wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time." Now, it is likely there when he says outsiders, he's probably talking about non-believers. And so he says, look, when you are among unbelievers act wisely, make the most of the time. Uh, we need to remember that. We, we may not get to see people we encounter for very long. Maybe they're friends or family that we encounter that are not Christians and we may have years and years to share the love of Christ with them. Praise God when we get to do that. Other people it may be a brief encounter. There may be other doors that are open for us just in a moment. At a time that we're in the waiting room at the doctor's office and a conversation is sparked and we have the opportunity to begin to share our faith and to begin to share Jesus Christ and the love of Jesus Christ with somebody. And that may be the only opportunity. It may only be a five-minute conversation. And so we want to be wise when we are with unbelievers and we want to make the most of the time that we try to tell them the things that really matter, that we really point them to Jesus. Now, sometimes we will encounter unbelievers who want to argue and debate and who want to say that, that scripture is, 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 is a bunch of lies or it's, it's contradictory. And, and, and we have to be careful in those times because we want to answer some of those questions as best we can and defend our faith. We certainly want to do that, but there may be times that we need to steer the conversation in a different direction. And and maybe just acknowledge, look, I can't answer all those questions for you. I may not have good answers, but here's what I want to tell you. Jesus loves you, and he died for you, and he can forgive you. And if there's any way I can help you, if there's any way that you want to learn more about that, here's my name, here's my number. You know, maybe we can talk more about it. And so we may just have to kind of dodge some of the attacks as best we can uh, because we may not have the time for that. We want to make the most of the time we've got. We want to lead with Jesus. We want to make sure that those we encounter know about Jesus. Sometimes we'll have the opportunity to show, uh, uh, tell others about Jesus with our words. And other times, we will only be able to show people Jesus by our actions. We may not be able to speak words. But you never know the actions that you do, how that may change somebody's life. So even a simple action that you may not think anything of, a kind act, that you don't even do directly for somebody, but perhaps they... Uh, in some way witness you doing something to someone else, you never know how that love of Christ may get their attention. And they may say, wow, that's that's really nice what that person did. And who knows? Maybe the door that God's going to open will be open 10 years down the road, but maybe they'll see your face and they'll remember. And maybe then you'll have their ears. So make the most of the time, whatever doors God opens for you. Verse 6. Your speech should always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. Now that's a good command for for us to consider right there. Your speech should always be gracious. I don't know about you guys, but my speech is probably not always gracious. There are days maybe when I'm having a bad attitude or you're not feeling good and you can be short with people. And people can do something wrong, and you don't show them any grace. You just jump all over. Them. Maybe y'all don't do that. I don't know. Maybe I'm just preaching to me. But if, if if you ever get to that point and do that, then we need to remember this verse: that our speech should always be gracious. And that doesn't that doesn't mean that the people that we deal with are deserving of it. That that is what grace is. I say this. I've said this many times throughout the years. But I'll say say it again because it's. I think it's good for us to try to understand this concept. Uh, we see a few things in scripture, justice, mercy, and, and grace. Justice is people getting what they deserve. Mercy is people not getting what they deserve. And grace is people getting what they do not deserve. And so not only are, are, are we to be merciful to people, and but we are to be gracious to people, even if they are undeserving, even if we are having a bad day, whatever the, the reason is, our speech, especially to those outsiders that we just were talking about that we wanna act wisely around, our speech should always be gracious. And, and what's the illustration he used here? He says it needs to be seasoned with salt. Now we talk about salt and we understand illustrations with salt because when we have food, it is bland, what do we do? We put some salt on it because salt makes everything better. Salt brings out the flavor. It takes what's there that's good, and it makes it better. And Paul says, look, when you are are conversing with others, your speech needs to be gracious. It needs to be seasoned with salt. It needs to be something good, something that people want to hear, something that's uplifting, something that helps them. That's something good that that maybe is a good thing for us to consider. How can I be encouraging to people? How How can I... train myself to not think the the negative thought that may first come into my mind, but God help me to think about something encouraging. Even if someone has done something wrong, what's the good I can see in the situation? We, we may fall into the trap of being a glass half empty type of person, uh, but maybe we need to change our, our, our thought process and say, God, how can I how can I see the glass is half full? How can I see something bad, but how can I How can I sprinkle it with a little salt to make it better? What can I I do for you, dear Lord, that's going to make things better? How can I bring an encouraging word to someone? Uh, You know, it's amazing how one kind act or one encouraging word can change an attitude in an instant. And maybe you guys have experienced this before. Maybe you've had a bad day and things weren't going right and somebody did something kind for you and man your attitude changed in an instant and I don't know about you guys but when that happens for me like it's a it's a day-long change usually I feel usually I feel ashamed because I'm thinking man here I am grumbling and complaining and and all of a sudden this person does this nice thing and man I feel I feel horrible God what do I got to grumble and complain about God I should be more like them and less like me and and sometimes God uses people to bring about encouraging things in our life that 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 we also need to do to others we need to bring about uh, that encouragement. Uh and he says so that you may know how you should answer each person. And so when we are living in the way that God wants us to and our speech is gracious and seasoned with salt, uh we will we will answer people accordingly in a loving way that will help point them to Jesus. And next week, Lord willing, we will close up Colossians. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you tonight, and we thank you for these good words, and I pray that you would help us to live by them. God, help us to seek you in prayer, to be devoted to you. God, we do thank you for being good to us, putting us in this country, even as bad as things may be. We thank you for the freedom we have, and the electricity we have here, and just that, God, we got homes to go home to, and food to eat, and we just thank you for that. God, I pray that you help us to stay, stay alert that we don't, give in to all the temptations of the devil, dear Lord, but by your power we can overcome our sin. And God, I pray that you just be with those who are about your work, the ministers and the missionaries out there that are like Paul. God, I pray that you would help doors to be open to them and help doors to be open to us and help us to be able to walk through those doors and to share your love and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ just as Paul desired. God, help us as we come across folks in this world to make the most of the time that we have with those we encounter. And God, I pray that you help us to be gracious. It's not always easy. So I pray that you give us the strength to be gracious. And God, when we speak, that that, that our, our speech will be seasoned with salt, that it will be good, dear Lord, that it would not be bitter and harmful and something that's going to hurt people. But God, it would be something that would be for the good of folks, dear Lord, that they would see your love through us. And I just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.